Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Valley Transportation. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransinc.com for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. This podcast is also brought to you by AgDirect. No matter how you buy your ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. Markets with Chip Nellinger. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. Axon Tire is giving the loyal listeners of the Moving Iron Podcast a free resource mouse pad. It's got all kinds of stuff on there that you can look at as far as tire conversions and those kind of things. So if you're interested in getting one of those, go to axontiretips.com. Read those articles while you're there. A lot of good information there. But go down to the bottom. Check out that form, fill that form out, and uh, they will send you two of those in the mail. So if you're interested in getting a mouse pad, go to axontiretips.com, and they will send one over to you ASAP. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion worth of heavy equipment. Sales data, TractorZoom's iron comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent heavy equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. Chip Nellinger is with Blue Reef Agri-Marketing from Morton, Illinois, and he's nice enough to come on and talk about what's happening in the marketplace. So Chip, how are you doing this morning, man? Hey, doing well. How are you doing, Casey? Pretty good, man. So a couple of interesting things I saw pop up. There was a... Uh, you know, for the longest time, there was a uh, a pretty good spread between you know the front month corn contract and December corn, and I just was going through my my alerts on my phone the other day, and corn popped up, and I had to stop and look at it twice because they were September corn, and December corn were exactly the same price. What's uh, what's collapsed that spread between uh, front month corn and December corn? Well, that September contract uh, on on corn and beans to a lesser extent, um, you know, it's a little bit of an in-between, right? Because right. You, you oftentimes have some new crop corn coming out of the out of the south, the delta area. Uh, so September contract is kind of a little bit old crop, a little bit new crop. Um, and when we rolled that contract here a couple weeks ago from July being the front month and now September is, um, the, the spreads were not much different than back then. So... <clears throat> Is it a little confusing to, to explain, but you know when you look at the cash market, the cash corn market right now, um, it's a basis situation. So, you know, if they were sixty over July futures two weeks ago, when July was you know a buck thirty forty over the December and the September, um, now those 
those elevators and, and grain terminals switched their bid, and now they'd be like a dollar twenty over the September. So you still have really high priced cash corn, you know, well into the sevens, and it's just a basis and, and a spread situation. So that September contract being partially new crop, you, you have some new crop supplies by the time that September contract goes off the board in most years. Um, it's oftentimes you see that type of a of a spread relationship, and and then and now, you know, the September contract is about three three and a half cents above the December. So there's always spread activity going on. That's going to be a function of how tight the immediate cash market is. Um, when there's an inversion like that, with September being over the December contract, uh, or the July was you know a buck and a quarter over the December contract. It's just um, an illustration of how tight the cash market is. We're, we're you know, kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel as far as old crop supplies go here. We're trying to race to the new crop and get the pipeline refilled with new crop corn. And so that's the, the function of those spreads. And you have to kind of back up and look at what the cash spreads are too, not just the future spreads. And in most places, at least here in the Eastern Corn Belt, you know, we're uh, $1.10 to $1.30 over basis. Uh, over the September contract. So, you know, you're still looking at, uh, you know, well over $7 cash corn right now. Right. Okay. That makes sense. All right. So incredible intense heat over the last two weeks. It's just been bad. This last four days especially have been just, you know, the, the, the cherry on top of what we see happening there. Out here we had, uh, I think Monday's high was 90, or sorry, 108. Sunday's high was 99. Uh Yesterday's high, Tuesday's high was 97 or something like that. Um, So it's just been incredibly hot. Um, Back your way, I've been watching the weather out in Iowa, Illinois, and Indiana. It's been, you know, not 108 degrees, but it's been very hot, you know, for what we see happening. And we're right kind of in that pollination phase of corn, some passing going on, those kind of things. Markets not quite reacted to that like I thought they would react. I guess what's your thoughts with with how the market's reacting right now, with what we see in there? What's the what's the big driving factor that you see right now that's pushing these markets lower? Yeah, I think there's a lot of things um, uh, underneath the surface. I agree with you. Given the heat mm-hmm. that you guys have in the Western Corn Belt, um, it, it is a little bit of a head scratcher that the corn market, uh, especially, didn't act better. Uh, than it did. Now, part of that is they, they've added some rain chances yep. for some areas of the Western Corn Belt, particularly Iowa. And it seems like this market um, has a history, has been uh, educated into, not educated, um, programmed into thinking that as Iowa and Illinois goes, you know, the entire corn crop goes. And, and that probably was the case 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Right now, Illinois and Iowa account for about a third, maybe just a touch under a third of the total corn crop in the country, those two states alone. But with that being said, that means two-thirds of the of the corn crop is raised outside of Illinois and Iowa. So the, the market gets really fixated on um, you know weather, uh, rain chances, and, and rain patterns in Iowa and Illinois. Illinois, all things considered, uh, probably is the best of the best anywhere right now. The northern half of Illinois is uh, with maybe one more rain and, and, you know, no hot temperatures in August um, is a a hair away from a massive crop, maybe record for some producers. Um, And and then, you know, you get further west and five, six days of 
105, 110 degree heat is really going to sap that corn. So the market always has a really tough time trying to figure out what the effects of, of dry conditions, hot conditions is going to be. They, they go by crop conditions. They improved this last week, particularly in Illinois and Iowa. There's not a great correlation between crop conditions and final yields, but it's at least something the market goes on every week. And it's, um, you know, I think also the market has been conditioned to, probably rightfully so, that we're, we're going to yield it, right? We can put these hybrids through a lot of stress, um, you know, spoon feed them just tiny doses of, of precip uh, at the right times and they can still yield. And that's true. But, um, you know, I think in my mind, talking to producers, even this last rain event in the Eastern Corn Belt uh, over this past weekend, we got really nice rains Friday and then some follow-up rain Saturday and Sunday in areas. Really dry areas got some of that rain, but um, they are not at full potential, right? They were too hot, too dry for too long. And it's going to stabilize things. Maybe they're not looking at an absolute disaster, um, but it's, it, it's the top ends off of that. And so, you know, what's this heat going to do in the West? It's just really a difficult time for the market to figure out what really is out there in the field. And by default, it's hard for the market to rally. You look at a seasonal, um, you know, 10, 20, 30-year seasonal average price move. And once you get past the 4th of July, typically you see, you know, lower prices. And, and that's why the market just has a really difficult time in, in trying to discern what really is out there. And they've been fooled too many times thinking, oh, man, is you, you know, you guys in Nebraska and Kansas and Iowa are burning up. It's 105 you know, last year's a good example, right? And it was so dry in Iowa, so hot. And then they came up with a massive state yield. Um, right. And so, you know, it's yeah. kind of like the boy who cried wolf, right? right. But I, I think this might be a year that's a little bit a little bit different. And then the way the, the USDA does their crop reports now, you know, we'll get a, it used to be they started doing yield, uh, field surveys in August. Um, and a couple years ago, I don't know whether, I think it was pre-COVID, it wasn't a COVID thing even. I don't think it was more of a budget thing. They stopped doing that, and, and they do it in September now. So we've got a long stretch here um, before the USDA goes out and does actual, you know, kernel counts and population counts and, you know, looks at uh, pod counts on the mm-hmm. beans. And, you know, that's uh, somewhere in the first 10 days of September. So between now, you know, essentially the 1st of August uh, to mid-September is a long way away, and the market's just – left to kind of hang in the wind. And, and then underneath that, this is a long answer, Casey. I know I'm rambling here, but underneath all that is this story that just won't go away about um, Russia allowing Ukraine to export some grain. That's my next question. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah I, right. I just, it's, I cannot wrap my brain around how that's going to happen. You know, um, if Russia agrees to it, it's only because it's going to be wildly beneficial to Russia, right? right. And And so... If I'm sitting here in central Illinois, um, you know, a dumb farm kid from Bradford, Illinois, in a class of 24, and I can figure this out, I I would think the rest of the world could figure it out. Um, And so it's hard for me to believe anything's going to come of that, but it won't go away. And, I mean, it it seems like the talks are progressing, and they might get something something done on that. So, obviously, that's going to change the supply situation if that happens, and Ukraine can... Uh, export some corn and wheat. They still have some corn and wheat old crop stocks left. Um, you know, and you know, Russia has 
you know, you've heard the stories. They've been bombing sure. uh, uh, bins and yeah. grain facilities and stealing grain, moving it into Russia and selling it. So that there is some amount of grain left in Ukraine from an old crop standpoint. Um, and that story won't go away. As crazy as it is, uh, it seems to me, that's something that's held us back a little bit. And I think the market would have responded better <clears throat> to this uh, hot, dry weather that we're seeing um, with, if it weren't for that you know, Ukraine grain movement story out of the, out of the Black Sea. And even if they come to an agreement, I, I don't know the reality of how long that's going to take. I mean, there's, there's facilities destroyed, oh, yeah, the forts are mined. Yeah. I mean, it might be a three-month process to get things back to where they can do that. Um, well, then you got to find so people just, to do all that stuff. That's the other side of yeah, it. Yeah, and, the, and yeah. then the next thing is the, the insurance part of it, the, yeah. the shipping part of it, the personnel. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's not, a, I mean, it's great on paper. Let's draw it up on the chalkboard, and the market sees that. Uh, but the reality of getting a lot of grain moved out of there might not, it might be a different story than the way it looks on paper. Uh, also, on top of this, too, it, it's a little surprising that the market uh, hasn't reacted more to to the weather out of Europe. I mean, as yeah. brutally hot and dry as we are, <clears throat> they're every bit as much, if not more. Right. And so, you know, they're on the same growing season as us in the Northern Hemisphere. They raise a fair amount of corn, um, you know, and obviously other uh, other crops as well. But, you know, their corn crop is in fast retreat. I, I have uh, read that that's even spilled over into some of the western portions of Ukraine, uh, some of their crop areas. So they're going through a pretty brutal uh, hot, dry stretch at uh, not a, a good production time for their crops in, in Europe. And, you know, it's um, it's going to be an interesting situation here between the supply side, the demand side, how, and the supply side is even more confusing to the market because how much is Ukraine going to be allowed to export, if any? And so when you see all that uncertainty, it's hard for, you know, these big funds to, to take uh, a big stand and say, hey, I'm... I feel real enthusiastic about, you know, getting long corn right now, not knowing what the Ukraine Black Sea situation is going to be. So you've seen this liquidation phase in the market, right. not reacting as friendly to bullish weather as what uh, I would have expected. Yep. All right. So another thing that we're seeing with the heat is the is the stress that we're seeing on 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 production cattle. As you'd look at the at the feedlot phase and, and what that looks like as you go through there, you know, animal kills and those kind of things they are popping up all over the place because of heat stress and those kind of things. Market's reaction uh, to wholesale box beef, um, or the wholesale, sorry, jumped up about $2.02 yesterday for choice, $1.07 for select if you're looking at that. Um, big movements there in, in cattle. And we've been seeing these movements. This is not like this is anything new, but you add that stress on top of there and you talk about gain and everything else that goes along with that. What's your reaction to what you see happening in the cattle market right now? Yeah, you know, I, <clears throat> for a while I've been uh, really friendly uh, on cattle. Now the, the problem cattle are going to face, much like corn, is, you know, the strength of the U.S. consumer. Sure. Uh, yes, in energy prices, gasoline's come down a little bit, but, you know, it's not five and a quarter. It's only uh, four and a quarter. Yeah, it's still expensive. So can the consumer demand stay strong? Um, I think it's just going to exaggerate things. I think we're going, you know, we're kind of at the tail end of the the cow and, uh, you know, breeding stock liquidation phase that's going to 
has put a little bit of extra, uh, you know, meat on the market for a year. I think we're towards the end of that. I think this heat, it's not an immediate reaction always. It kind of takes sometimes several weeks to kind of sift through to, uh, you know, know, um, you know, all right, are they not, they're not gaining as good. We have some death loss. That takes some time to sift through the market, but it, it should continue to be a friendly uh, influence. We've got a cattle on feed report. Uh, I believe it's Friday after the close. Um, so we got a catalog feed report this week. Pasture conditions are still horrible. Um, you know, those, it's just uh, a bad situation for those cow-calf guys. They haven't had a chance really to, to restock, um, uh, you know, for two years now. And, and so I think things are going to continue to tighten up. But that's a slow process. You know, they talk about the seven-year um, cattle cycle. It takes a while to sift through the system, but uh, this heat isn't going to help uh, it's going to probably continue to tighten up supply shrink supply just a little bit and and i think long term that's going to be be friendly and you know again it gets back to the consumer how can we get the consumer through this inflation um and and continue to see them spend money on on beef i think that's part of the reason that hogs have been uh kind of counter seasonally on fire here you know you typically you're past the main demand period for for pork and you know pork cutouts been on fire the, the futures have been rallying it's been a kind of a weird uh, time to rally so aggressively in the hogs and, and i think that might be part of it you know maybe we're seeing the consumer um shift to a little bit you know lower uh, price protein and you know uh, pork and poultry are going to benefit on that if they're switching away from beef a little bit but so far the beef demand seems to be pretty good too so i think we're pretty even even keeled here the cattle market's been choppy but it's, it's held together and kind of in this big sideways range. Feeder cattle have, you know, firmed up. Even when corn rallied the other day, feeders held it together. So I think the cattle complex is, is in really good shape here um, to, to, to maybe see some much better prices into the third quarter, fourth quarter of this year, and probably even the, the first quarter of 23, as long as we can kind of keep the the consumer pocketbook, um, you know, held together a little bit here. Yep. All right, last topic to talk about energy for just one second here. Take a look at oil. Brent crude is just a little bit over a hundred dollars, about one hundred and five. And you look at West Texas, and it's just you know like forty cents under hundred bucks. Barrel. Take a look at ethanol. Ethanol's had a similar decline as well. If you look at where uh, ethanol was uh, first part of July, up around about two forty eight, two fifty a gallon. To where it's at now at about 216, a similar decline uh, as far as ratios go and those kind of things. As you look at that 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 ethanol, gasoline, diesel, biodiesel relationship, what are your thoughts there on those those two topics? Well, I, I think that generally ethanol margins are still held together pretty well. Um, we've seen a little bit of a downtick in in you know some of the weekly. Uh, grind numbers, but I think in general there's there's still good profitability in uh, on the ethanol side. I think as I look at crude oil and, and I take a look at that crude oil chart, come way down off the highs. Um, you know we're seeing these big swings, four five dollar uh, range days from yeah. low to high. Um, and, and to me, I think we're kind of right on that fence, right? Um, and, and we need more information. And that the fence meaning. We're not done with inflation. Um, it was a correction, and we're going to continue to see uh, stronger energy prices into the end of the year. Uh, that's that's a right. And if that's the case, we probably need to um, 
see the crude oil market and energy markets not get much deeper than they did over the last week or two. Uh, on the other hand, you've got people saying, oh, no, 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 we're rushing into this world recession and, you know, we're going to have this massive slowdown, um, you know, where demand you know, pulls way back. And, and if that's the case, then you're going to see some, uh, I think the tip-off would be you get crude oil futures setting back below the recent lows in here from uh, 10 days ago. Uh, and so I think the, the energy markets are right on the fence, as are the financial markets, kind of trying to figure out are we going to have like a 2008 type, just the brakes get, you know, they just pull the right. lever and the whole world economy yeah. seizes up? Mm -hmm. Or is it going to be kind of the little dip and we don't hurt the overall demand much? And I think that's yet to be seen, uh, which makes these big choppy days. I think the one thing that's pretty certain is um, Saudi Arabia isn't going to help us. Uh, OPEC, you know, is pumping probably about as full capacity as they can um and then you throw the european and the united states right. energy policy in there and it's just uh ludicrous um we could pump till the sky is blue but you know our policies restrict that for uh, whatever uh, stupid reason so um we can sure sell it though all over the world we can do that that's fine but we can't keep yes. it domestically and buy it and buy it uh buy it from you know some sworn uh, enemies yeah did you see that uh part of the strategic uh, reserve release went some of that went yeah. went to china yeah i saw that it's awesome i'm so excited <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. it's here's here's the problem casey that i think at least some people are, are waking up to it's all on purpose right like you brack your brain saying oh well you know here here are, here are the answers right here. They're just staring mm -hmm. you in the face. They're smart people. They know the answers. They choose otherwise on purpose for the sake of whatever change they think they want. They're purposely yep. destroying it and are attempting to. So, um, you know, yep. you uh, votes count. Some, yeah. yeah. At least other than Illinois, they count. <laughs> I was... Yeah, I was reading that article. I'm like, well, yeah, of, of course. I mean, it's called a strategic reserve. That means that it's a long-term thing that they're planning on. If things go sideways, we can take care of it. And it's like uh, it's like giving the, the the fox in the hen house. Here's here's five chickens that you killed. You go ahead and keep a couple for yourself. Looking out for you, pal. Okay. It's just, it's the same. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. But I, it know. it really is. It's mind boggling. Uh, yeah. But unfortunately, that's the that's the world um, yeah. you know that we live in right now. So I, and I and that's why I think I probably would tip if I had to make a, a wager. I, I'm wagering that we haven't seen the end of high uh, crude oil prices. And the products, you know, heating oil and unleaded have been stronger because on top of that, we have a refining issue, you know, I yeah. mean, and it just, it goes back to the, you know, the energy policies that we have, they're just not conducive. You know, when you yeah. put, when you have companies put billions of dollars into a pipeline and then <clears throat> on January 10th with a new president, he takes his trusty pin out. And just wipes away billions of dollars of investment. Who, yep. in their right mind, is going to put money into 
new technology, new wells, new refineries, new pipelines, when they don't know if they're just burning money or if they're going to get a return on that yeah. money. It's uh, capitalism 101, econ 101 is yeah. what it is. Yeah. Well, it's the, it's the same deal, too. Even if we went out and started producing all of our own oil again and, and we're at we're at our refineries right now are running at, at max capacity as it is right now. And the refineries now are taking a look at wh- which product am I going to make the most money on when I when I go develop it, right? Is it gasoline? Is it diesel? Is it air fuel, airplane fuel? Whatever it is, you know, what what am I looking at now? And, I mean, until we get a refining situation figured out to where we're going to put in another 15 or 20 or however many refineries we need to, to, to bolster our, our uh, fuel situation that we have now, I mean, it's, it's the same story, you know, over and over again, that we're at max capacity. We're at max capacity. We're at max. We're one hurricane away from having nine dollar fuel. I mean, it's just those kind of things yeah. like that that just keep popping up over and over and over again. And you'd think sooner or later that just just the sheer number of people that that are being under that are under all this pressure right now when it comes to inflation and high interest rates and so on and so forth, or higher interest rates, so on and so forth, that you're like we're building. In whatever state we are in, we're we're building three new refineries. We're going to do that, and then it just—I don't know—but that's a whole other podcast. And so, <laughs> well, <laughs> it is quite frustrating. I yeah. I agree with you, but unfortunately, it's such a huge driver uh, of our economy yeah. too, right? And you know, the the world, uh, whether you like it or not, the world runs on energy, right? Yeah. And, and and petroleum. Yep. You know, and that's just the, the driving is just one part of it. You know, it's mind boggling how yeah. much, how many products, you know, are petroleum based. And, you know, it's just unfortunately um, yep. the, this small minority uh, whack jobs have got the ear of the media and, you know, the minds of the consumer right yeah. like the electric vehicles are yeah. the way to go and well just this kind of puts the cherry on top and then just kind of getting off the weeds here but we're this will be the, the final final word here but i don't remember what oil company it was but they wanted to buy um a thousand north face jackets for their guys i can't remember what it was but north face says no we're not going to sell them to you and then the oil guy goes like you understand that 98 percent of the of your coats made by oil right and you, you know i mean just like yeah that's just the cherry on top dude i mean that's just that's exactly just, you know, that's just, i think that's a good yeah. way to sum up the yeah. energy policy of uh yeah. europe and the united states right now pretty much so all right Chip, good stuff as usual folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what you're doing at, at uh blue reef Agri marketing what's the best way to do that yeah, best way is just call our office uh, directly. That number is 309-550-7213. Love to chat with you, talk to you about uh, what you're doing on your risk management plan and uh, how you might be able to uh, improve that and uh, get better results. Right on. I am Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. Go to LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast, and you'll see the video version of this. Go to the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel, and you'll see all the stuff here that we just talked about but in technicolor not not any other color just technicolor haven't quite sprung out for 4k yet so we're wanking our way up the chain so check that out if you're interested in seeing that 
uh, go to movingironllc.com. Everything Moving Iron related is there. If you want to check out the Moving Iron Summit coming up here in Nashville, Tennessee, September 6th, 7th, and 8th, all that information is there. Or you can send me an email at movingironpodcast at movingironpodcast.com. My good friend Alex Chuchenko is still in Ukraine running around handing out humanitarian aid. Go to the show notes. There's a GoFundMe link. Check that out. And Alex would greatly appreciate whatever you can throw his way to uh, keep him running what he's doing. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour with Chip Nellinger. Let's give me some iron, folks. Out. Axon Tire is going to have more tips, tricks, and client advice throughout the year and in September at the Moving Iron Summit in Nashville. If you're looking to sign up for the event, please head over to movingironllc.com. We hope to see you there. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransitinc.com for all of your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Moving higher in the 21st century.